tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. Social Conversations. We speak African uh, Cultures and Heritage Month and uh, today we are starting off with the Afrikaners in South Africa. Baron Ace is uh, Head of Intercultural Corporation at AfriForum and he's our A-Team guest. Please do join in on the conversation. Ask your questions. What is it that you wanted to know about the Afrikaner uh, nation, the Afrikaner culture? Um, uh, perhaps you, there's some interesting things you want to tell us about uh, the, the culture um, that you are part of, that you enjoy. I know one thing for certain. I enjoy the food. <laughs> the Cook Sisters and the Boiboti, I enjoy the food thoroughly. But Bernard is going to be giving us a bit more. Good evening, Bernard. Thank you for joining us. Good evening. Thank you for the opportunity. So... In the 17th century, uh, this is when the Afrikaners in South Africa became one and they, they developed their own language. Tell us about this colorful history. Um, sorry, just repeat, tell, tell you about that. The colorful history. So when it all started, <laughs> who came together in the 17th century? Yes, of, of course, it's, it's a really colorful and, and complex history. So I think most people know... Um, about the arrival of, of Jan van Riebeek and, and the people with him um, in 1652. But of course, that was actually only a company that was trying to establish a trading post um, on a trade route between their country and some other country. Um, but over time, lots of other people um, came to these shores from many different nationalities. And at these shores, very unplanned, a new cultural community was formed. And it was actually the first signs of it was when some farmers did not want to sell their produce at an established price to the company, and some of them were thrown in jail. Um, And maybe one of our first heroes we can name, he was called Aram Tas, ended up in jail because he did not want to to comply to the rules of the company. Um, and, And then, of course, um, we had the English arriving in the Cape, and there was lots of unhappiness with the way that the, the British rule in the Cape Colony. And then you had a part of the community leaving the Cape Colony and um, um, crossing in or going into the northern parts of what is today South Africa. And, of course, over time, you still had some immigrants entering. So really, yeah, I, I, one can say an unplanned start to a new cultural community. Sure. That's very interesting. What a lot of people are not aware of is that Afrikaans was formed in South Africa, but it was a, a coming together of uh, people of uh, French, German, Dutch uh, descendants, and they came together after mixing with um, Africans uh, and, and, and came up with this language. H- how difficult was it for people from different uh, countries, uh, different uh, languages, Dutch, German, and French, to come together and then create a language? How difficult was it? How did the Afrikaners manage this? Um, I, in, um, of course, I'm, I'm known a language expert, but I think it was simply necessity. And I, I think one thing that Afrikaners are also known for is, is the saying, you know, a boer maken plan. Yeah. Um, maybe you can you can add met a draad in a tongue. So <laughs> I think we're known for simple creative solutions. And when you are different people. And you need to survive. You need to make a living. Of course, it's required for you to understand each other. And I think out of this practical necessity, Afrikaans was born. 
And that is why you still have words from the different languages in Afrikaans um, today. I mean, you have, for instance, we use the word stable for boot, which, which is from German. Of course, they, most of the words are closely linked to Dutch, but um, we also have words like bloodyang and pisang, which you will not find in any um, European language. So, yes, I think it was born out of necessity, and, and something really beautiful was, was another beautiful thing was created in Africa, by Africa. And that's why, I mean, we are so connected to Africa, and that is why it's called Afrikaans and Afrikaners, because it's from Africa. Yeah, a very, very beautiful history there. Tell us about the food. I mean, Afrikaner food is so delicious. Uh, I'm I'm not going to lie. Yes, I, I again think um, um, lots of influence one might find in the food. Um, and I think also when speaking about food, it's also uh, the culture around food. So, um, for instance, people might, of course, know poikikos. Um, so it's not only about um, making a great, and of course the people will crucify me for calling a poiki a stew, because it's not a stew. You, you, you do not mix a poiki, you know, it's in layers. But it's actually also about the family um, coming together around the fire, around a pot, spending the time and making the food, and then, of course, also eating the food um, whilst having conversation. Um, and of course, it, it, of course, it's not something. There's not something like standard Afrikaner culture. Of course, you could you have a lot of variety between um, the different families and, and the different regions. You know, it's so interesting. In the free state, Afrikaners will tell you pop is something you eat with milk and sugar in the morning only. And when you come further north, they will tell you no, pop is also something that you eat with a, with a tomato and onion sauce with your meat. Um, um, but yes, um, to me, the food, and I think to most Afrikaners, it's, of course the food is delicious, but it's also a great opportunity around good food to have a nice discussion. Um, um, you know, um, my fondest memories are memories of, of our big family, my, my grandfather and grandmother, all my aunts and uncles and all the cousins sitting around a large table, all eating together and having discussions, sometimes for hours on end. Mm-hmm. Especially with that Malkosa dessert after the Poikikos or Boiboti. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Um, you, you know, in South Africa, according to uh, the World Atlas, about uh, 61% of whites in South Africa identify themselves as Afrikaners. And, uh, you know, this next question from our A-team listener is very relevant to this. He says... Um, Says Pat, I'd like to know if the current generation of Afrikaners still holds strong relations with their bloodline cousins in Netherlands and Germany, and what is the difference between the Dutch language and Afrikaans? Yeah, so of course you might find exceptions, but most Afrikaners have been here so many generations that we've got no ties in Europe anymore. Um, unless, of course, some of your family recently emigrated, then you might have ties again. But that is not people from the past. That's people from the future that went back to the past. Let's call it that way. So I think um, um, there's not a strong connection um, um, with people. Uh, for instance, my surname is Oost, and it's actually a bit of a mystery where the surname is from. There's a theory that it's from the Netherlands and maybe from France, but you cannot find the surname in Europe anymore. Um, and that's a good example of how weak the links is um, um, with Europe. And I think 
when our ancestors came here, there might have been a link originally, but at some point we we turned our backs at least to, to let's call it, the, the families in Europe, and we looked to Africa, and that is why we are also, you know, very comfortable to call ourselves African. Of course, lots of the aspects of our culture is still Western, um, but yeah, really no, um, um, especially family ties in Europe in most cases are non-existent. Um, I mean, I'm 11th generation um, African, so no, no very close connections. Well, it, it is very simple, this. I mean, if uh, Afrikaners means Africans in Dutch, clearly you are Africans, and that's what you have identified with uh, since the 17th century. Um, I, 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 you know... Baron, the one thing that is always very, very intriguing and interesting for me is how Afrikaners are associated with farming all the time. If you think farming, you think Afrikaners. How did you get this reputation? Um, Of course, it's because we've got a, a big heritage in farming. Most, I mean, I think most Afrikaners, if you go back three generations or four generations, it's, well, it was basically the only thing that we knew how to do. And it's because we came from a, from a farming background that when we, for instance, left the Cape Colony and we, we came further north, that the only thing that you could do was farming. Of course, the big impact on Afrikaners was the, um, the Second Anglo-Boer War. And many Afrikaners were then forced um, from their farms. And there was a very, let's call it a very rapid modernization from that point onwards, and then you, you had many Afrikaners going into, um, let's call it, other professions. Um, but, I mean, I think most Afrikaners still have somebody on a farm, an aunt or a grandfather or an uncle. Um, and I think it's also, if, if I mean, what, what if you, the English, what they called us, we called ourselves Afrikaners, but the English called us Boers or Boere. Um, and that is a specific connection to an agriculturalist. Um, but I think there's also a strong connection with nature um, and, and, and the outdoors. I think, uh, again, one generalizes, but I think the most Afrikaners that I know really do enjoy nature and the outdoors. And I believe that also comes from our um, agricultural um, background. You know? and, and, and I also believe many Afrikaners, if you could tell them, you know, if you could have whatever you want and, and money was not a problem, I think many would tell you still that, they would love to have a little farm and, you know, do a bit of plowing and have a few cattle and, and, and settle on a farm one day. So I, I think it's, it's, it, it plays such an important part in our past that we still have fond memories of it. And, of course, we still have many, many Afrikaners that are farmers and family members that are farmers. And in terms of cultural practices, I know you say the food is one thing that brings families together, and I think it's, it's, it can be said for almost any culture that food brings us together. But what are the cultural practices, perhaps rites of passage for young uh, people, or, you know, as you come into adulthood, are there any cultural practices that are specific to the Afrikaners? Yeah, of course, um um, especially in this respect, I think because by far the large majority of Afrikaners um, are Christians and our heritage is also, um, you know, is a, is a strong Christian heritage. If you look at the Dutch that arrived and the French Huguenots, they were actually faith fugitives. So faith still plays a very important role in our lives. And 
it's also very closely linked um, to our culture. So I think as a child, um, the, um, the most important, especially in, let's call it, family similar to mine, because of course we, you get slight differences, a baptism is, is a really important um, occasion. Um, of course, it's a faith occasion, but it's also a very important occasion for the whole family to, um, to come together. Um, after the service, you, you would have a gathering of the family. And then again, again, there is slight differences, but um, um, Afrikaners, similar to my family, you would, when you reach about um, grade 11, you would in church um, um, confess your faith. Um, and that is in terms of faith, um, reaching adulthood and basically taking responsibility for, um, 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 you know, for, for your own faith. Um, so I think that is really important. And then um, to the more secular side, I think the 21st birthday is, is, is a really important event. And of course, um, a wedding also, but most weddings, of course, there's a very strong um, connection to faith. And, and it, it's typically also something that happens in a church. Um, I think that is the, if, if we talk about the right to passage, I think it's, it's mostly connected to, to faith-based events in our lives. Yeah, and it, it's very clear that, um, you know, uh, faith and uh, religion is very close to uh, the Afrikaner nation. So how are you upholding the, you know, the, the, the how are you upholding, I, I want to put it correctly, how are you upholding your culture alongside your faith in these trying times? Because we are marrying interracially, we are marrying interculturally, and obviously no one wants to lose on um, their cultural and faith practices. So how are you as Afrikaners within this beautiful um, mix of um, a metropolitan life that we are now living, ensuring that your culture, your faith is still upheld? Yeah, of course, I think, um, um, well, it's, I think we are li living in specifically um, challenging times, you know, um, um, Especially, I, I can just see the impact on my kids. You know, if you if you have a lockdown and they, um, you cannot really go to church, um, you know, it's it's got a big impact. Um, and of course, as as in most places on the planet, actually, you see a, a, a move towards secularization. Um, but again, the responsibility lies within the family. So my answer would be, it depends a lot on the family you've grown up in, um, and what is the priority for that. Um, family um, and then it's and, and and the same goes for culture you know the, the main maybe you can say there are two main vehicles for the transfer of culture the one vehicle is family and that is do you still have the privilege of the family coming together and um, the elder members of the family speaking about past events and and this is also about family culture and family history and then of course you can you can say speaking about the history of the cultural group and, of course, the parents have got a really important role to play there. And then, of course, the other vehicle is, is, is educational institutions, um, like schools, for instance. And I think this is, a, is something that is very important um, to mention for Afrikaners. There is a few things that are as important to Afrikaners as schools. And that's why you have, in most cases, um, excellent teachers. And you've got, you know, um, the parents are really, in, really involved in the schools. And it's because they are... This transfer of, of culture and values and, of course, of knowledge are, are really important. So I would say that the survivability of, of a culture depends 
a lot on the institutions that it establishes to transfer this culture. And this is also the institution of family, the institutions like schools. And then, of course, can you maintain an institution like a church? And and we know many churches are, are currently quite under pressure because we, we see, I, I think it's, it's, it's a trend, people um, um, not going to, you know, to church as much as before, for instance. Mm, let's go to this voice note from our A-teamer. Hi, Manduli. Uh, WPR Amutla here in Limpopo. Nice topic. I just want to know whether uh, the Africaners, uh, are they worshipping the ancestors like Asplex to ask for some lacks and some promotion at workplaces on security, so forth and forth. So I just want to know around that, whether they appease the ancestors in order to progress in life. That is my submission. All right. Uh, uh Bernard, did you hear that? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's such a great question. Um, now, of course, Afrikaners, we do not, um, let's call it, do ancestor worshipping. Um, and and it's, 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 it, I had a, recently, I had a, a marvelous experience. You know, um, um, I visited um, what, well, you can call it what you want. I call it Sekukuni land. And I had the privilege, you know, of, of visiting the, um, the, the burial site of King Sekukuni one and um, and also Tawa um, Musehu, um, um, the, the, the burial place of, of King Sekwati one. And I spoke to to, to my um, um, to my friends that, that visited the, the site with me, and I told them to me and to and to most Afrikaners, I believe, it is about honouring the legacy of your ancestors. So of course, each one of us we carry a legacy. And I do not want to, and I think most Afrikaners, you do not want to, to disappoint this legacy. And of course, our ancestors handed us something, and we must, of course, try to that which we received to again hand it to the next generation, and hopefully in a better condition than the condition than we received it. So, um, you know, there's a, a, the saying from um, President Paul Kruger of, of the Old Transvaal Republic, um, in his last message to his people, he said, you know, you should take what is beautiful from the past. You should shape your vision from, for the future, and you should then work to achieve that vision. So I think we, we get a lot of inspiration um, from our ancestors. And, of course, we are really trying to learn from their mistakes because if you, if you look at what your ancestors did, you know, that can also guide you into the future to, to avoid mistakes and, of course, and to get to a future where you can live, you know, safely and prosperously. Of course, in Southern Africa, you know, in all the other different, you know, between all the other different communities that we share the subcontinent with. Mm, most definitely important that, um, you know, to, to, to always know where you come from so that where you are right now and where you're going the fu- to the, in the future will become aligned correctly. Donald is saying um, on WhatsApp, what was the main aim during the Anglo-Boer War? Because both the Afrikaners and the British were not originally owners of the land. Is there any strong bond with Afrikaners and Zimbabweans because they also established their mission at uh, Morgenster, which is under Dutch Reformed Church. Um, <laughs> what was the Anglo-Boer War about? I think you can get many different answers to that question. Um, of course, in the, in, uh, maybe if you look at from a, a state perspective, 
then you would say, well, there was a, a sovereign state and it was being threatened by a, a, a large world power. And the people in this sovereign state, of course, they did not want to give up that sovereignty. And that, in the end, led to a fight. Um, of course, one can discuss um, the different factors that, that played a role, but one cannot um, overlook the fact that there was massive gold deposits um, in, in the Old Republic. And, of course, the, the, um, the, the British realm, of course, had their eyes and they, the business people had their um, eyes on that. So... From an Afrikaner perspective, um, I would I would say, well, it was a battle for freedom. It was a battle not to be um, not to be ruled by somebody else from the outside, and that is why um, many Afrikaners, including myself, we actually call that war the Tweede Vrijheidsoorlog, the Second Freedom War, because to us it was um, a battle about freedom. Um, of course, the um, Zimbabwe um, is a is a, is a is, is a quite a very different kind of a story. And you cannot, you know, I always tell people it's quite a difficult question to answer quickly because if you go back um, long enough, then you will know that, of course, um, Zimbabwe, as we know it today, mostly historically actually had, you can sort of um, simplify it to say there were actually two parts. And the one part was, of course, um, actually Ndebele uh, uh, um, um, state and the other Mashona. And, of course, the the big entrance into, let's call it, of people from European descent into Zimbabwe was actually from the north into Mashona land, and that was um, um, the company from Cecil John Road. So I believe the establishment um, of um, of people from European descent into Zimbabwe is, is, is well, quite different from that um, in South Africa. Okay, here's another voice note. Good evening, Patricia and the guests. My name is Mark. My question to Bernard is that do they have the same relationship that we do as as in our traditions or as Africans or as black people? Like you you stretch your hand to your sister's brother or your, I mean your sister's son or your your sister's, you know, those relatives whereby there's a chain of other relatives beyond you whereby you can stay with them in your house or you can try and help them if there's a need or do they do the same like us or they only look after the family the immediate family whereby they might stay with only the brothers within the family and the sisters within the family do they stretch and forth like ours the way we do ourselves thank you please respond yeah, I I think um, um, again I I'll, I'll have to generalize. Um, it's going to depend very much on the family, but my I would say that for most Afrikaners, um, the support would lie mostly in the in the close family circle. So it would be between a mother and a father, and um, brothers and sisters, and um, um, and their children uh, or children. But of course, you you get families where you have um, closer bonds also between, for instance, um, um, with uncles um, and aunts. But mostly I think it would be um, very strong support would mostly come from your, um, your, let's call it your close family circle. All right. But uh, it, it, it is a, um, a close-knit community, isn't it, the Afrikaner community? Yes, it is. Um, 
um, again, depending on, on the specific family you are from and, and, you know, how you were brought up. Um, um, you know, I always feel very privileged because in the family I grew up, um, we always sort of have been a large family. And you, you know your uncles and your aunts and your, and your cousins, and you would at least see them quite regularly. Um, I'm, me personally, I'm also quite interested in family history and genealogy. So to me, it goes also, um, you know, to, um, some other generational links. And of course, if your family stayed in a specific area for quite some time, and I believe, um, this is especially true if you're still, if you still have family in rural areas and especially in the farming community, their people are more aware, um, of people that they are also related to. Um, even though it's a relation that that's from a few generations ago. Um, so, yeah. Ben, uh, Barend, I've been uh, corrected by uh, uh, Ben. I keep saying Bernard, but it's Barend. Yeah. Thank you so very yeah. much for joining us and uh, shedding some light. Now we understand a bit more about the Afrikaners in South Africa. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. It was great speaking to you.